welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. I want to talk this morning about words to live by. You probably have heard the expression words to live by and, and often we kind of think about, you know, this kind of inspirational quotes or the the kind of I, I guess when I think about this I think about I guess guiding principles things that shape our life shape our kind of our decision making process things that shape our values and there might be all kinds of things that you've heard described as words to live by or things that you've thought are, are kind of good words to live by yeah, I've got a couple of examples here to share with you Einstein uh, said this he said, only a life lived for others is a life worthwhile. And there's a lot of people that kind of like, that, that try to live by these words, try to live by this kind of, the, this idea that of, of living for others. Um, sometimes that's because they understand that it's a, a godly principle, a, a biblical value. Sometimes they just think it, it seems like a good, kind, moral thing to do and they don't recognize where it originated. But sometimes people choose things like that uh, as words to live by. Robert Downey Jr. said this, listen, smile, agree, then do whatever you were going to do anyway. <laughs> Some of you have incorporated that a little bit into your, you know, words to live by, you know, keep the peace on the outside, but, you know, then just go and do whatever you thought was right. Maybe if you're like me, you're a, a Calvin and Hobbes fan and uh, you get a little bit of your philosophy from, from Calvin. I see Hobbes comes in, what you doing? I'm killing time while I wait for life to shower me with meaning and happiness. <laughs> some of us, maybe not so intentionally, but some of us kind of live a little bit like that, don't we? We just kind of do whatever we feel like doing in the moment and expect that at some point meaning and happiness are just going to come spontaneously or randomly upon us. Sometimes we have words to live by or sometimes we have these kind of ideas or principles or things in our head and in our heart even though we don't realize it don't we sometimes there are things that have happened in our lives things that we've uh, been brought up with uh, things that we were taught or maybe our parents or other significant adults in our life role modeled and we kind of picked things up without necessarily doing it consciously without necessarily making a particular choice to go oh yeah that's a great thing I'm going to model my life on that but it just kind of happens sometimes some of the, sometimes they're things that we've learned or just picked up through the experiences of our life you know whether positive or negative sometimes our experiences shape us don't we now there's not just kind of like one right answer or one right phrase or motto or quote obviously that is kind of the the words to live by but you know, Jesus said we live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God and I hope that at least somewhere for you as believers, the words that you read in the Bible you're taking to heart and applying and putting into practice and are becoming words to live by. And there's some words, there's a particular verse that I want to share with you this morning as I was thinking about this idea and this concept of words to live by for for this year or, or maybe over the course of this year that we begin to to put this into practice or begin to live by these words to a greater degree and it's found in the Galatians 
chapter 5 verse 24 and 25 and it says this it says those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there since we are living by the spirit let us follow the spirit's leading in every part of our lives now i read this verse and i thought that that would be a pretty good thing uh to kind of put into practice in our life wouldn't it being following the spirit's leading in every part of our lives but that's kind of easy to say and it's not necessarily so easy to really understand what that means or how to do it isn't it everybody anybody else here think that's yeah yeah so what does it mean to be led by the spirit what does it mean to follow the spirit's leading and how can i recognize it i think that a great way to start learning how to recognizing the leading of the holy spirit as by learning how to recognize the holy spirit that seems logical doesn't it if i want to know what elizabeth thinks or what elizabeth would do in a certain situation a great way to start figuring that out would be to actually get to know her as a person does that make sense and some for some of us i think there's that this is a great place to start in actually getting to know who the holy spirit is and what he looks like now there's a verse that paul wrote to timothy in second timothy chapter 1 there might be some familiar where i want to show you a little picture here and one of the things that scripture tells us to do this is one of your pictures katie so i hope you don't mind i didn't ask you first but this was from a long time ago so it's not uh, an accurate indication of her artistic ability today um this was when she was little so i'll just i'll just say that but one of the things that script the bible tells us is a great thing to do is to meditate on the word of god doesn't it meditate on scripture uh in our house we have this little thing where sometimes we'll put uh scripture verses up on the back of the toilet door because then you have great opportunities to meditate on the word of god <laughs> but here's here's the picture i'll show you this picture it's a uh, a verse you might have read before god has not given us a spirit of fear but of power love and self-discipline I want to read just the couple of verses before just to kind of give it a little context as well and Paul writing here so we'll we'll read here Paul writes to Timothy who's a, a young church leader and he says I remember your genuine faith for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice and I know that same faith continues strong in you This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity but of power love and self-discipline Now the spirit that God has given us is his holy spirit isn't it And this is what I believe Paul is talking about here in this passage of scripture he's talking about the holy spirit and so he's actually given us uh, uh this this picture here of what the holy spirit is like of what the holy spirit does in us and the work that he produces in us and he does that quite a bit in other passages of scripture as well but i really wanted to focus on this one and to look at what this passage of scripture teaches us about what it's like to walk uh 
in step with the Holy Spirit, to, to go through and to allow the Holy Spirit to lead every aspect of our life. Now, firstly, he says that the Holy Spirit is not a spirit of fear. That God has not given us a spirit of fear. What's the opposite of fear? Anti-fear. I'm not sure that's a word. <laughs> Technically, if it is, I guess that's correct, but... A lot of people say courage, a lot of people say bravery and I guess in a sense there's true. I want to suggest that maybe the opposite of fear is faith. Faith. Fear comes from uncertainty. Fear comes from not not knowing what's going to happen or what's in control or being afraid of the, the circumstances or the outcome. Faith says... I don't necessarily know what's going to happen, but I know who's in control. We walk by faith. And so uh, what, what we first discover is that the Holy Spirit is a spirit of faith. doesn't necessarily mean that we're never scared, doesn't, but it means that we aren't ruled by fear. It's not necessarily that we always have to be fearless but that we have this kind of boldness and courage that comes from our faith of, in Christ and knowing that God is in control. We have a confidence that comes from knowing that nothing can separate us from God's love, that our salvation is based on the faithfulness of God to keep His word on, on His promise and not on our ability to be good enough. That's good news, isn't it? If nothing else today gives you reason to be happy or to rejoice or to be glad, that one ought to. Your salvation is not based on you being good enough, but on God's promise when you accepted Christ by faith. Now, there are moments that fear can still come, and I think fear has been this, this, this big thing in the world, particularly over the last couple of years, hasn't it? There's been a lot of uncertainty, there's been a lot of fear, there's been a lot of worrying about what's going to happen and I, and I don't know that that's about to get any better anytime soon. And partly that's because it's not particularly a new thing, there's always been reasons for fear and, and fear still comes but we need to know that, that that fear is not from God. We can overcome fear, we can choose not to live in fear by focusing on Christ and what He's done. God is bigger than COVID. God is bigger than cancer. God is bigger than any other sickness or disease. God is bigger than governments or any decision that they might make. God is bigger than natural disasters. God is bigger than poverty. God is bigger than death itself. Now, not being dictated to by fear doesn't necessarily mean that we're just, we're we're rash or we're foolish or we make poor decisions and just go, oh, well, you know, God will look after it all you know we're still called to be wise we're still called to make good decisions and we don't forego simple precautionary measures and you know as as if we're putting God to the test like Jesus in Luke chapter 4 when he faced that temptation you know when Satan took him up onto the the top of the was it the the temple and said throw yourself down and the angels will catch you and quoted scripture at him what did Jesus say you shall not put your Lord the Lord your God to the test and it's like Jesus is suggesting it's one thing to know that God is able to catch you if you fall 
it's another thing entirely to go throwing yourself off of roofs. It's one thing to know that, you know, God can protect you from snakes. It's another thing to go playing with them. You know, it's not smart, is it? It's, it's putting God to the test. It's saying, God, you have to perform on my command. It's saying, God, I'm calling the shots here and you'll do what I tell you. And that's not a very good, not a very smart move, is it? Ultimately, God is the Father and we are his children. And as the Father that... That, that calls the shots and not the children, isn't it? It's not about taking unnecessary risks, but it's about knowing that no matter what happens, that ultimately God will save us and that we will spend eternity with Him. Now, the thing that we need to remember is that God's salvation is not always in the natural. Everybody dies at some point from something don't they god doesn't save us from every illness god doesn't save us from every disaster god doesn't save us from every calamity that might befall us um look at this scripture with me in second corinthians chapter five paul's writing and he says we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed we have a building from god an eternal house in heaven not built by human hands now he's not talking about tents or houses or building is he he's talking when he says our earthly tent he's talking about our, our physical body and he goes on in verse 4 he says for while we are in this tent we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed who's not in a hurry to be unclothed he's not talking about clothes or nakedness he's talking about if we're taking off our our earthly tent is talking about taking off our physical bodies talking about death uh, it says we don't wish to be unclothed but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is god who has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come therefore we are always confident. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has guaranteed our future. We are confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. It says we have this confidence by faith, not because we see it, not because we have some sort of you know, uh, vision or instruct, you know, understanding about what's coming after. We, nobody, we haven't seen it, but by faith, because of what God has said, because of the Holy Spirit in us, we have confidence that no matter what happens to us, we have an eternal future with Him. Do you remember Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the book of Daniel? It's a great story, isn't it? Uh, you should, re- if you don't know the story, I encourage you. There's uh, essentially they were they were captives in uh, in in Babylon, and um, the 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 king Nebuchadnezzar built this giant golden statue of himself, and said that everybody had to bow down and, and worship this statue of himself. Um, very humble guy, yeah. Uh, <laughs> But Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who were God's people, refused to bow down to the, and worship this statue because they said, we, we worship God. 
There's the only person that we bow to and worship to is God and the king had threatened to throw them, uh, to, to execute them by living cremation, throw them into a, the fiery furnace as we talk about. And they make this statement when the king says, you know, he's, you know, I'll give you one last chance, you know, you, you worship the statue of me or that's it, you're done for. And they say, you know, King, we know that our God is able to save us. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow and worship you. We only will bow and worship him. And there's a sense too in which we need to understand that, uh, or, or I guess have that same kind of attitude that says, we know that our God is able to save us from anything if he chooses to do so but even if he doesn't even if we go through it instead of around it we know that God is with us in it that he is worthy of worship and that we will worship only him and be devoted only to him this is the spirit of faith So he's given us a spirit of faith. He's also given us a spirit of power. We sang a little bit about the power of God this morning, didn't we? We sang some songs about this. Um, when Jesus was, just before Jesus left his disciples uh, in Acts 1, he tells them to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes and he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And this is exactly what we see happen uh, from that day forward, that people who have been filled with the Spirit of God and have the Holy Spirit in them have been empowered to be witnesses. And we need to understand that just like those early disciples, we have the same Spirit of God within us. We have that same ability to actually live and walk in power. We should be expecting to see people get healed. We should be expecting to see lives be transformed. We should be expecting to see supernatural things happening because we have a supernatural God. Peter and John, you know, we read about in Acts chapter 4 when they were before the, the Sanhedrin and they were, they were called in and they were threatened and intimidated and, and bullied and beaten and, and they were called to give an account for themselves because they were preaching about Jesus. This is after the day of, of, of Pentecost and they were telling everyone about Jesus and healing people and performing signs and wonders. And, and there, was this, there was something about them that they were empowered by the Holy Spirit and the, the members of the Sanhedrin were like, you know, how did these guys learn to speak? Aren't these just like uneducated fishermen? How did they become so intelligent and eloquent? And people, it says people remarked and, and noted that they had been with Jesus. And this is not about earthly power. It's not about positions in governments or corporations. It's not about physical strength. This is about the power to do what God has called us to do. This is what the Holy Spirit brings is the power to be witnesses, the power to, to know where to go and, and how to go and what to say and, and all those kinds of things, the power to do supernatural but also to be supernatural in order that we might 
bear witness to what Christ has done in us and through us and, and in those around us. He also gives us power over sin, over temptation, over the, the things that the enemy would come and try to throw against us. He says the, the power of that stuff has broken. You are no longer slaves to sin. But we can have victory over those things through the power of the Spirit within us. Spirit of power, a spirit of love. What good is power without love? Tom Wright, in his commentary on this passage of Scripture, he says, Power divorced from love, I think I've got it up here, power divorced from love quickly becomes destructive. Don't we know that? Love without power can degenerate into wishy-washy sentimentality. Isn't that a good statement? 1 Corinthians 13, first three verses says, If I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. We might impress some people if we could speak every language on earth, wouldn't we? Who'd like that ability? That'd be handy. If I had the gift of prophecy... And if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. Again, I think you'd probably, have a, you'd probably be leading a megachurch by now. What does he say? If you don't love people, it's not worth anything. If I gave everything I have to the poor... And even sacrificed my body. I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is the defining characteristic of Jesus' followers. Because the way that Jesus taught us to love and demonstrated love is different to the way that the world loves. He taught us that loving God and loving our neighbour were the greatest commandments. Two most important things for us to understand, both are centred on love. When they asked him who was his neighbour, he told the story of the Good Samaritan, the one who helped a man in need. Now the parable of the Good Samaritan is not a story about one man trying to solve all of society's problems. He didn't go chase down those robbers and, you know, take them and, you know, seek justice or, you know, he didn't, he didn't try to fix everything. It's a story about one man who saw somebody else in need, who realised that he had the resources to be able to help this person and he chose to do it even though it was an inconvenience, even though it was a sacrifice, it was the right thing to do and so he did it. Sometimes when we talk about helping other people, about loving our neighbour, the problems in our, even just in our community of Wyala seem huge. They seem insurmountable. We can look at crime, we can look at 
the, the inefficacy of certain government programs or systems or things to be able to help people. We can look at the drug problems, we can look at divorce, we can look at homelessness, we can look at all of that stuff and say, well, what can I do? I'm only one person. And that's perfectly true. You can't solve all of those problems. Only Jesus can solve a lot of those problems. But there are times when God will bring someone across your path that has a need. And you will realize that you have the resources to be able to meet that need. That you have the resources to be able to help that person that has come across your path. For me, this is what it means to to love our neighbor. Not that we're trying to fix everything, but that we help the person who's in front of us, that we don't turn away, we don't turn a blind eye when someone has a need that we have the resources and the ability to be able to help. So the spirit that God has given us is a spirit of faith, a spirit of power, a spirit of love. And what was the last one? Self-discipline. Thank you, Matthew. Faith was the first one. Spirit of self-discipline or self-control, if you like. Now, what does it mean to have a spirit of self-control? I wanna, there's different ways, I guess, that we could explain it, but I want to explain it this morning this way. A spirit of self-discipline means that we get to choose how we respond to things that happen. We have the ability to choose how we respond when good things happen and when bad things happen. When difficult things happen, we don't have to be ruled by our emotions. We don't have to be ruled by what's expected by our society we don't have to be governed by the expectations of other people or what is normal we can choose to respond to difficult situations with faith instead of fear we can choose to react uh, to to something bad that happens or, or when somebody uh, does the wrong thing or, or mistreats us or whatever the case might be to respond with kindness and forgiveness instead of anger and revenge. Jesus talked a little bit about that, didn't he? In Matthew chapter 5. He says, You've heard it, that it was said... Eye for eye and tooth for tooth. That was the standard expectation that if you uh, injured somebody in some way, they were entitled to injure you back. Repay like for like. And doesn't a lot of our society today, don't a lot of people today live by that principle? You cut me off, I cut you off. You hurt me, I hurt you. You rob me, I take something back from you. You give me a bad name, I give you a bad name. What's Jesus saying? I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you 
and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Jesus is telling us that we have a choice about how we respond. We have a choice to respond like human beings <laughs> or we have a choice to respond like our Heavenly Father. And it's the Spirit within us that helps us to make the choice to respond to people in ways that reflect who our Heavenly Father is and who He has called us to be. What would our year look like this year? What would 2022 look like if we were living by the Spirit? If we were following the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives? What would it look like to be led by the Holy Spirit at your job? When you're at work? When you're at school? What would it look like to follow the Spirit's leading when you're playing sport in your sport team? What would it look like to be led by the Holy Spirit when you're at home cooking dinner or working out in the garden, decorating cakes? (laughs) What would it look like if we were led by the Holy Spirit, if we were listening to that prompting of the Holy Spirit, I think that maybe there would be some things that we might say differently, do differently, choose differently. If we allowed ourselves to be led by that Holy Spirit of power, of love and of self-discipline. Words to live by. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this encouragement, this urging from your word for us to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for each one of us that we would continue to grow in our ability to do that, that we would continue to grow in our ability to listen and hear the Holy Spirit speaking. Father, we thank you that you want to make every area of our life better. You want to make every area of our life bring more glory to your name and and build your kingdom. Father, I pray that as we, we meditate on these words, as we reflect on these words, as we we, we build these words into our life. Lord, that you would show us how to do that in every aspect. Lord, that there would be nothing that we would hold back from you. There would be no area of, there'd be no distinction between sacred and secular, but Father, everything that we do and everything that we say, we would understand brings glory to you. 
is devoted to you. Because we've made that choice to, to lay down our own desires, to lay down our, uh, our own plans and ambitions and, and ourself, and to take up our cross, to follow after you, to be led by you in everything. Father, we thank you for the, your spirit that you've put within us. The spirit of faith, the spirit of power, the spirit of love and a spirit of self-discipline, self-control. Father, we pray that you would just continue to help us discover every day what that means for each one of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at bethelcrc.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.